Welcome into the Garage Talk podcast, the first official episode. Noah Strohmeyer joins us, drove in, and a little bit of rain when you pulled in, but it's actually, uh, what is it officially fall yet? I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's still summer. I'm not sure. Tomorrow or today, what is it, the 22nd? I think it's tomorrow, so somewhere in there. Anyway, uh, that really doesn't matter. Let's get to the important stuff. Let's go ahead and uh, do one of these. We'll get a cold one here. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. And um, make sure we stay hydrated here. It's important. All right, so it's been a long time coming. I know that you listen to our radio station, Q100.3, to me and Ashley in the morning, and also the Garage Talk videos on Facebook, which Absolutely. this is not one of those. It's a little bit different. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that even you probably helped encourage me in a, a way you may not know to do this because I've been thinking about this for a while, but I know you had reached out to me at one point and asked me, hey, where's Garage Talk at? Yeah. And the funny thing about that is when you reached out to me, I was actually working on this already oh, really? and had had this idea, but I didn't really know where it was going to go. And I kind of started and then I stopped and I didn't know if I should do it or shouldn't do it. But then when you had reached out to me, I'm like, oh, I'm just busy. Yes, I was busy, but I also had this idea and I'm like, how much do I want to keep doing on there? Which there may still be some of that. Sure. Because um, that's a little bit different. That's more for the radio station. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, and so your wife had mentioned you should have Noah over and I and we've chatted about you coming over sometime at some point. So this really worked out perfectly to have you on. Perfect timing. And uh, just to get people familiar with you to get rolling here, you actually work for the Jackson County Sheriff's Office. Yes, I do. And how many years have you worked there? I've been there since 06. In fact, I just had my 13th anniversary. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Got married that year. I also just had an anniversary, but not for the, not the same anniversary. (laughs) A little different. I Uh, actually met my wife in jail. The kids like to point that out occasionally. She was working as a clerk in the jail. I was working as a deputy in the jail and that's where we met. And, and, uh, kids, will you have plenty of kids and are aware kids say things that sometimes, uh, don't play real well if you don't know the backstory. And so that's funny because when you say that, it seems like you may have been in jail. But yeah. that's not necessarily. The I was case doing, doing my time. No, it's a great job. It's a great place to, to be and to work. Um, but yeah, a lot of us on patrol started in the jail, and have kind of moved out over the years. That's cool. So what are you currently doing? So I'm on patrol, patrol deputy now. Um, there's a new program, a new position that the sheriff's office has begun. Medford's doing something very similar on a on a different scale. Uh, but I am basically focusing on the Greenway, the, in, wow. in Jackson County. So from the top of the Greenway currently is off Blackwell Road, Dean Creek, all the way down to Ashland, and then county parks and some some uh, road construction, road safety sort of stuff as well. Wow, and that's got to be a challenge in itself right there because yeah. I know that when it comes to our radio show with Ashley and myself, we've touched on it some. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard us talk about it. It's definitely a, a sore subject with me for a couple of different reasons, and I don't know how much you want to get into it, but I'll just I'll just speak from my perspective, yeah, and then absolutely. if you want to add more to it, you're more than welcome to, and if, if you don't, that's fine too. But And I've talked to the sheriff about it when he stopped by a few times, mm-hmm. but it's so sad for me. One, it seems to be that, and anyone correct, can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's some kind of prescription problem that leads to a, a bigger drug problem that leads to people being in a bad position mm-hmm. and then ultimately ending up on the greenway. And again, I'm generalizing here. Sure. I don't know how much truth. That's just my impression that's, of it I all. It's one aspect of it for sure. And then you have these people that end up out there. And I always say, and I've said for a very long time, we're one poor decision away from being where they are. Oh, absolutely. And I've made a lot of poor decisions in my life. Yeah, same here. Not the, I hope not ones that could put me there, but again, it's just one bad choice away. And so I, I feel for these people as someone who, 
like to try and give people the benefit of the doubt, but also there's so much trash and so much environmental damage that's done right, absolutely. that it's just, it, it's crazy. And I didn't even realize that. And I apologize if you told me that that was the position you were taking or that, that you told me at one point, but I don't remember you telling me that. No, it's, And I know that the sheriff mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago that they were talking about some kind of, he was talking about some type of new division. I had no idea that you were going to be one of the ones working on that. I, yeah. Well, I am the one <laughs> currently. So it's one. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, me. A, it's a crew uh, of one. Yeah. It's crew of one. And, and obviously all the, the de- deputies in the jail and patrol, honestly, do some work in, in that area. Um, I'm just tasked with it. And uh, so it's a cool position to be in. It's a cool thing because I've been told by the sheriff directly and everyone else involved, you know, go work well with Medford, please. Go work well with all the community partners. I know it's kind of a term that gets thrown around a lot, but legitimately, you know, the VA Dom has an interest. Uh, Jackson County Mental Health has an interest. All the charitable groups have an interest in this. Frankly, we should all have an interest. Yeah, and that's that's the cool part about it is this isn't a, a problem you can arrest. You know what I mean? We can't just say, well, lock everyone up who's breaking the law down there. Like, okay, that's enforcement, certainly an an aspect of it, right? But there's a lot more going on than just saying what laws are being broken down here because, you know, that's that's, that's not the way, the approach that's going to be successful. Yeah, and there's so much that goes into it. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the the series that they did up in Seattle, and I can't remember what TV station it was. It's like Seattle is dying. It was the special, and they'd been following people for a long time trying to get to the root of the problem. And then when you discover what the root of the problem is, it's how to fix it. Right. It's a long process. Right. It's not a process that's cheap. Uh, but they found some pretty interesting alternatives to what cities are doing now. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes because it, it showed some some positive possibilities, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And ways to, to maybe help get those people to get back on the right track. Absolutely. And... Um, that part of it was exciting to me. Seeing what's going on and where we are is, it's hard to describe it because I never thought we'd see anything like this. And for people who just want to take their kids down the greenway, right. for example, here in, in Jackson, and as they extend that thing into, I think they're supposed to extend it all the way to, let's see, they're bridging it between. They're, they're taking it from, uh, Gold Hill has a, beginning in Gold Hill, mm-hmm. uh, has a section currently that goes out to about Rock Point area, Sardine Creek, kind of over by Del Rio. Yeah. And that's being extended along North River Road all the way to um, Valley of the Rogue State Park currently. Okay. And it's going to stop there, the new section. But then there's already one, an existing path from Valley of the Rogue all the way to the City of Rogue River. So, I mean, currently the Jackson County portion of it is right around 30 miles already. Wow. And so it's a very cool thing. It's a great attraction. Uh, to our area, it's a great resource and a great cool thing that that our citizens can utilize. We need to do a better job managing it, and that's kind of where we're at now. Is looking at what can we try? Let's try some new stuff. Let's let's stop thinking like kind of like cops to, to some degree. You know what I mean? We need to. This isn't a, a strictly police problem, or like I said, you can't arrest this problem away. So no, not at do all. Better than that. Well, we've talked about on a radio show just just briefly about what some of the solutions are, and I think it does take more people. It takes more people in the community, not right. just cops not just mental health professionals. And if that means more of us volunteering to help in certain ways, I'm not saying to go out and address it head on, sure. but maybe part of the cleanup or part of the, there's just so many different aspects to it that we don't even know or necessarily think of right. where as a community, we could get more involved. And I think that's something that's missing. And I think education is part of that. We were over at Kobe not too long ago and they were talking about the five part series that they did. Mm-hmm. And we were talking with them as voices of the community. How can we do a better job? What can we do? And I think it's getting everyone on the same page and figuring out, starting to find some of those hot points where you can 
do something that will ultimately make a difference. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that in law enforcement kind of generally over the years, we've not always been very good at. Um, there's always kind of a disconnect between law enforcement and say the media and used to be, and probably still to some degree now, there was even a distaste in law enforcement for talking to the media very much. And I think that's an old fashioned way of looking at things. I think everyone knows that now, but now the relationships need to expand and we need to do a better job of saying, Hey, yeah, the green way is kind of rough right now in some portions, especially some parts aren't too bad at all, Mm -hmm. but here's our challenges. Here's what we're trying. And here's, uh, here's the legalities of it. We can't just go down there and make this happen overnight. So we can't throw away, you know, the constitution and, and all of our general practices that keep us safe and keep us free just to fix the greenway. Yeah. And no matter what, there's still people. Exactly. Right. And they have some kind of issue and not all of them are the same. Right. And it's figuring out what that is and how to help them through that. And a lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people aren't willing to attempt to because it's not always going to work. It's not going to work the first time, the second time, the third time. Now, in some cases it may. Right. And it may take five tries with some people to find something that makes that switch flip to where they decide to go down a different path. And I talked to someone on the Greenway just uh, about two or three weeks ago. um, And it was a mom and dad and a little kid about five, six years old living on the Greenway. So, whoa. At first, my internal gut instinct was like, this is a massive problem. What in the world is going on here? We have to fix this right now because there's a kid down here. Mm -hmm. But I look around, their camp's clean. They're in a relatively safe location. And they're like, yeah, we're waiting on our HUD comes through. I think it was two or three days from that point. Like, oh, so you're camping right now. Yeah, we're camping for a few days till our HUD comes through. And so we talked a lot about it. Is this a real thing? Is this happening? Or is this what you're hoping for? I mean, I don't want to come back here uh, in the wintertime and there's still a kid living on the Greenway. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, we're camping. We have our stuff in storage. They're showing the receipts, all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, it's not allowed to camp on the Greenway. But that is not the image I think that a lot of folks have of the people who are camping on the Greenway. Just a normal, you know, little three-person family unit. Mm-hmm. One of them happens to be about six. But wow. he's having the time of his life. He's camping. Yeah. They, they had everything they needed. They had the tents. The I mean, it, I know it doesn't. It is not real comforting to any of us. No, not at all. I mean, I not, have a six-year-old inside. I, I got a six-year-old home too. But it's not this, you know, and this stereotypical view that a lot of what people you may think have, of like shopping carts and needles and stuff. It's not like that. There is some of that, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more going on down there on the Greenway than just kind of like the easy stereotype view to put away in your mind and say, oh, that sucks. And it's not nice down there. But, yeah. You know, there, there, there's some really good, there's, there's, there's a lot of good stories down there. Well, and that's why I'm glad you're here. And I had no idea that that's where we were going today, but it is a, a pleasant surprise to find out that you are the one heading that up. I think it's really <laughs> exciting. I think there's a lot of opportunity there to do some good things. And uh, that's cool. Cause as much as we've talked about it, to be able to hear some of those stories, it's important. It's important to get the information out there. It's important yeah. that our community knows what's going on and is hearing the real stories and things that are happening there. And, uh, you know, the only way to fix it is to start working on it. And maybe like you said, looking at it with a different perspective, absolutely new ideas. And so long, there's been so many different either organizations and I'm not talking about the sheriff's office at all. I'm just saying in general, as you look at the bigger picture, that organizations continue to do the same thing and they wonder why they're getting the same result all the time. I mean, it sounds silly and we all know, right? You do the same thing, you're going to get the same result, but yet we continue to do that. It's like, how do we step back, look at it with a fresh perspective and maybe deal with it with new tactics and strategies that we haven't used before, whether it's dealing with people on the greenway or dealing with people in day-to-day life, you know, looking at a situation that you've been dealing with, with your family or anything else where you've 
you wonder why do I keep ending up on the wrong side of this conversation every time? Well, maybe it's me, right? Maybe it's me approaching it a way that I shouldn't. Right. And I'm going to try a different strategy. And all of a sudden you have some kind of big breakthrough and you don't have that problem anymore. So yeah, it's just important to get a fresh perspective. I'm glad we were able to touch on it a bit. And I think there's a lot of potential for good things to happen, to get it cleaned up. And I think there's a lot of people out there that want to help that just don't really know what or how. And maybe as we get the ball rolling and you, you get going with this thing and we can help with the conversation, not just here, but maybe on the radio and with Kobe and our other friends in the community is actually make a difference. I mean, wouldn't that be something to, to to sit here a year or two years from now and you come back in and say, wow, we, we're not seeing much activity there right. now. Is it a pipe dream? I don't know, but we can try, right? We can, we can. And that's that's just it. We can either do nothing, and it's going to continue as as we've we've always seen it, or maybe worse yet, we keep trying the same thing over again. Like you've mentioned, it's clearly not working that great. There's there's more to it. We're missing something here, and there's a lot of great ideas. The sheriff has Metro Police is doing some very cool things. Um, with just all of us getting on the same page and, and trying the new things and trying to reach out to people that maybe we've not reached out to before. Maybe we've had troubles and said, oh, we don't want to reach out to that group before. And we need to be a bit more inclusive and see what everyone can bring to the table. Basically. Yeah, because that group could be the key to the solution. Yeah, you know, exactly. they may be the answer to the problems and maybe not directly, but maybe in some way. And you just yeah. never know until you try it. So yeah. that's cool. Well, that's awesome. A lot of different things we can talk about. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, because we met, well, you're a listener first, and right. then as we got to know you over the years, you decided to come in and help volunteer with our St. Jude Radiothon. It's been amazing what KRWQ and this community has done for St. Jude, outraising cities 10, 15, 20 times our size, but you've had a chance to come in and volunteer for our Radiothons answering phones. Right. Uh, but not just that, you also got, remind me what it's called, the organization you're a part of. Oh, uh, it's the Jackson County Sheriff's Employees Association. So it's essentially our union, um, but it's just an internal. We don't we're not associated with like the Teamsters or SEIU and any of the big ones. It's mm-hmm. just our little group of employees that that do the union work, if you will. So not only did you volunteer on your own, and your wife Misty has come in with you, but yes. also you got them involved. They've made some donations. Talk about why you decided to get involved with what we do with St. Jude. I think it's a it's a it's an amazing thing. You know, anyone any of your listeners with the radio show would would agree. I'm sure that St. Jude's an amazing, amazing thing that they do for for families. Um, I've had some stuff in my life. I had cancer years ago, and my particular experience. I had a doctor in Portland actually tell me if you would have just had you know testicular cancer, this would be a lot easier. And, and it was if you ju- if you yeah. just had yeah. testicular cancer, I, think so, about that for a second. If you right. just, which sounds terrible, it does to me. sound terrible. And and I get his message, and his message was, I had a form of I had a synovial sarcoma, is what it's called, and they, his point was, you don't have one of the popular cancers. There's no research. There's no anything for it, and so the drugs are from the like the seventies, to to treat it. And so the, the the ability to treat it properly was a big question. Wow. And so when I, when I came down, I came back down here. I grew up in the Willamette Valley, came down here for school, left for cancer basically, came back about a year and a half later to start at the sheriff's office. And I started listening to you guys and uh, learning more about St. Jude and realized, hey, this is an organization that is doing what I needed. And now obviously it turned out fine for me. I'm not complaining. Like I'm healthy, all is well. But that that. Kind of, it, it was a bite to hear have that yeah. doctor say that. You know, it kind of hurt a little bit. Interesting. See, and I didn't know all that, which is is cool to know. And and I've had my different, you know, touch points when it comes to cancer. I 
donated bone marrow a long time ago, actually twice, once with stem cells, once with bone marrow. And I really haven't talked about it that much. I mean, it was on the front page of the paper at one point, but I was thinking about it this morning. And you and I, as we were texting back and forth, was right. when we were talking about you coming over and, and different things to talk about. And I haven't talked about it because I don't want it to be one of those things where it's like, oh, check it out. I donated bone marrow right. to a complete stranger. You don't want to make it about you. No, but also it's important to talk about because there's people out there looking for a match today mm-hmm. that they can't find it. And so it's like, okay, so it's like this internal struggle of like how much right. to talk about it. And even for your situation, like you mentioned to me via text, like if I can talk about something that someone hears and it somehow affects them in a positive way, right. why wouldn't I talk about it? And at times it can be uncomfortable for yeah. us to talk about things, but if we can get it out there and share it with people, they realize, oh, I'm not the only one that has this problem. And in your case, you were in college mm-hmm. and you had a lump and you didn't even think it was cancer. How did that go? I, I just started having a lot of pain in my in my hand, um, and it was my senior year at SOU. Uh, we were taking finals and writing essays and all that stuff, and I really struggled through them because I, I was having trouble holding a pencil or a pen and writing because it was affecting. I would find out later that this this um, this tumor was on my nerves. There's a nerve bundle under your armpit that comes out and it controls everything to do with your arm, right? And it was sitting right on there, and so the shooting pains I was having was because the tumor was sitting right on my, on that nerve bundle. And so, I mean, I didn't think much of it other than this is really inconvenient for me working and going to school and the things I'm supposed to be doing, hunting and fishing mainly. Well, <laughs> and it's hard enough to pass a final, just, right. just You're taking right. a final, at least for me, I don't know about you, but yeah. school wasn't yeah. my favorite thing. So I'm no. thinking, okay, I got to pass this final and I can't even hold a pen or a pencil. That's not something you expect to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so, uh, you know, as I could, I started getting it checked out. And, uh, the, you know, tests and MRIs and things like that. And, and the doctors came around to saying, well, you have this benign tumor and we usually would might even just leave it except for this one's growing kind of fast. Cause it went from the size of give or take about a pea to the size of about a golf ball. Kind of um, fast. I would kind say of so, fast right? within a, a few weeks. Golf ball is not yeah, and, just and, a, a minor growth. And that was in the, t- in the time period of like, you know, six weeks or so. And they're like, so it's growing, so we didn't take it out, but also it's causing you this pain, so we didn't take it out. But, you know, if it wasn't growing, if it wasn't causing you pain, we'd just leave it because it's this benign tumor. Okay. So went into surgery, woke up that day. It was, you know, minor little outpatient surgery. And the doctors came in and they said, well, you know, it's not exactly what we expected to see. And they didn't say at that point yet, like, we have to wait for labs to come back, but it's not right. Something's wrong basically not exactly what you want to hear not exactly what you want because then your mind's probably racing all over the place right, right. As I mean, what it might be immediately you kind of know right like clearly this is, didn't go the benign way they were hoping we were all hoping so they and that they even told me then we went ahead and took out they call it a margin so they take out tissue around the tumor and so they took out some of my biceps and my tricep and they said we, we would normally want to take out kind of picture like a globe around the entire tumor like, but all that is on that inner side is bone and, and nerves. And like, if we cut the nerve bundle, you're going to lose use of your arm, at least for a while. There's ways to graft it and redo it, but it, yeah, but that doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. Do it. And it's a very long process to come back from that. And it's always questionable as I understand it, how well you come back. And, and I'd mentioned to you before, this is, this is, I'm no doctor. This is what I kind of learned going through the process. So I'm sure there's, if there's a doctor listening, they're probably beating their head against the wall. I'm saying wrong terminology and stuff, but you're like, that's what I heard in my head. Yeah. That's what I'm I'm going with. Yeah. Being the guy sitting there. That's what I heard. 
So they uh, we, they did labs a week or so from, with that, and then they called me back in and said, yeah, sure enough, you have cancer. And they can't, they couldn't treat it down here. It's a, Like I said, it's a unique enough kind of cancer. And they said, you got to go to Portland or I think Stanford. There was another learning hospital somewhere on the West Coast, one of these two. And so obviously, I mean, I've, I, I grew up in the Lama Valley, a family up there. So I went to OHSU in Portland, and and that's when things got fixed, I guess. So how did that go? I mean, was it a long process, or yeah. did they just – I mean, I don't want to simplify it, but no, as far um, as a window of time, what did that look like? The first about two weeks up there was just steady doctor's appointments. And if anyone who's ever been up to the OHSU, it's an amazing place. They have – I'm going to screw this up. I think three hospitals on this mountain. On this up on the hill, yeah. Up on the hill. And it's the VA hospital, it is Shriners, and it is OHSU. I'm fairly sure that's accurate. But OHSU also has facilities down by the river. And so they have a tram that goes over I-5 and everything to go from one to the other. It's big gondola-looking thing. Do you get to ride that? Oh, yeah. My wife hates it. Oh, really? I've never <laughs> been on it. I'm scared we, of heights. We as you up. may know if you listen to the radio show, but I've always watched that and thought, man, that'd be really fun to ride that. But I've... I don't want to ride it for the reasons you had to ride on it. Yeah, well, and so this was before Misty and I met. Like I said, I was just graduating college, but later we ended up up there with one of my, my boys has some medical issues. We ended up up there, and every time I get the chance, like, we should ride that tram. Mm-mm, we're driving. <laughs> She's not into it. Um, but anyways, it was like two weeks of tests, just nonstop tests, test, 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 with knowing I had cancer at that point but not knowing – what the result's going to be. That, that's what they were learning. How bad is it? And um, what can we do to fix it? And so about two weeks, just running from appointment to appointment straight. You sit down. My experience was sitting in this, this boardroom looking place, big, huge table, and there's a doctor that's an expert in each of their little fields. And so it's like... So there's the, more than one? Oh, yeah. And they all sat around, and the guy that does you know the radiation he's the expert there and here's his take and what I should do. And then here's this person does is a neurologist cause there's nerves involved obviously. And here's, here's what he thinks and all the way around the table and they all threw out their two cents. And then there's the one doctor. My name was, Do- my guy's name was Dr. Veto. Um, he's at the end of the table and he's like kind of filtering all that for me and saying, here, here's what I think you should probably do. And there was some, I shouldn't say argument, but there was some disagreement, disagreement amongst yeah. them because, again, the, the the drugs were old. They said we can give you chemo, but the chemo we have for this is as old as you are, and it might just kill you outright. Like it may, it may not work at all. And one one of the doctors was like we can just amputate your arm right below the shoulder. Oh, and I'm like well, and this is a guy who hunts, hunt and fishes, fish, and wants, wants to be a cop, wants to play catch with the kids someday. All of that, yeah, absolutely. Oh. And so it's like. And the doctor that's saying we could just amputate your arm is an expert. He's at OHSU. And he wasn't saying this is the right thing to do necessarily, but this, that was a viable option. And well, to so, him, maybe it's viable, but most of right. us think that's, exactly. that's not a viable option. And they're looking at it, I think, in the best way possible, which is how do you keep this person alive? And if it means he doesn't have an arm, then guess what? You're still alive. And that happens right. to people, and they live out perfectly Absolutely. normal lives, as perfect as Absolutely. it can be without a limb, of course. Exactly. And, and, and good on the doctors for being willing to sit there in front of me and tell me, hey, this might be an option for you, even though you don't think that's the case right now. So they settled on six weeks of radiation, um, no chemo, which you know was obviously makes it a little easier, made it so I can work. I worked every day during the radiation. It got a little, it wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't a fun experience mm-hmm. to do that, but I can keep a job during that time. Which so was what nice. were you doing then? I was working for a security company that does all the security for the TriMet 
facilities in Ctran in Vancouver. Okay. So the trains, the buses, all that. There's, um, it used to be called Wacken Hut. It's a Wacken Hut. Wacken Hut. That was the guy's name that founded the company. I know. Oh, okay. I think like <laughs> Whack a Mole, but like Wacken no, Hut. I'm like, no, exactly, I think what it's, was it? Something like Carnival changed. or is that a Carnival game or what? <laughs> he's this. Yeah, he's a. Uh, so, anyways, I was one of those guys riding the trains in Portland, and and, then, and how old are you at this point? You're a senior um, in college, right? No, I I had just graduated college. Okay, so, so 20, the cancer took whatever. you out of college. I mean, not out, but you you managed to finish college. Yes. So you got cancer, or you found out you had cancer right. in college. Yes. Close. No. Close. Right Very around close. there. I, I was then, having problems at the end of college. And when you're at the end of college, you at that point want to be a cop? Oh, absolutely. I, I went and I got a criminology degree. I mean, I. Wanted to be a cop since I was in high school. That was the plan. How um, come? Um, I it just seemed like an interesting job. You want to help people. You want to go out and do good things. But it's also, you know, how many people get to experience the things, good and bad, that me and other police officers get to experience. I mean, it's a very unique thing to do. Very unique kind of a set of, well, experiences. <laughs> so you managed to make it through. You did your treatment. You came out okay? Mm-hmm. Everything was fine? Yeah. And what do they tell you at that point? That you're good? It's free and clear? It shouldn't no. come back? Or it could come back? Yeah, or what it, do they it's say? Ne- there's never any definite. Right. You know, it's uh, for, I think it was five years. That sounds about right. About five years after, I would go in and do regular MRIs and CAT scans and things like that to make sure. Because the thing they can't decide um, and, until it just happens or it doesn't is if it's going to come back. So if cancer cells are spread out through your body elsewhere, mm-hmm. and they will at some point activate and you'll end up with cancer in your lungs something else that's what elsewhere. they say oftentimes right. that happens yeah right and they, they say oftentimes if the time it comes back can often be worse than the initial and so that's the thing they can't check they can't test for that and it's just a matter of time to say you're good or you're not and so for five years it was testing and testing and and so i ended up coming back to this area after about nine months total of being gone and started at the sheriff's office right away so you've been at the sheriff's office ever since Thirteen years. So is that the only department you've worked for? Yes. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. I love it here, though. I was in the port. I was in the process uh, with the Portland Police Bureau when I was up there. Um, a lot of guys, and I'm sure this is like this in other professions too. But you know, when you get you hit 21 years old and you're ready to start applying, and for me it was a little bit later because I was in school still. Uh, you do the shotgun approach. You apply everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, wh- you're looking will, for an opportunity, right? An opportunity, you want a job. Yeah. And the way it works is you get hired. You go get certified, meaning you go to the academy. And you go through a field training process and you give your certificate that says basic police officer on it. You're much more hireable now for other places. So you, you apply everywhere you can think of. You know, if, if random PD in random location is hiring, you apply there. Uh, but I wanted to be down here is what I learned after, after cancer, basically. Because I was living in Portland, the Portland area. I moved in with my brother um, mm-hmm. outside of Oregon City and his wife and... That way I can be at the hospital every day for radiation treatments and still make it to work. And I realized, man, I do, I do not want to be here. And that was how many years ago? That was, well, I was in 05. So 14-ish years. Yeah, because I, mean, I the started at the sheriff's office in 06. It's because I'm trying to put myself in your shoes right now. You're down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you work for the Jackson County Sheriff's Office. You know, I'm just thinking this through mentally. I'm even closing my eyes to like visualize. <laughs> this is what Noah does. You know, he goes to work every day. And now he's policing the Greenway and trying to help with that. Take yourself out of that for just a second. Put yourself in Portland right now. It's easy to do. Okay. And tell me what you think that would be like right now. And obviously, 
I mean, I don't know what you can say and what you can't say. And if at any point you, you want to stop and go a different direction, we can. Sure. But I will just say for me, before you answer, I couldn't imagine being a police officer in Portland right now. I'll just say that and let you take it from there. So, yes. <laughs> so, here's, so I'll tell you this. My brother is a Portland police officer. Really? Yeah. I and had no idea. I, had a lot of, I have a lot of very good friends that I, I met through the academy. Uh, because, you know, you go to the police academy, there's, you know, brand new guys from all over the state there. So I have a lot of good friends that are Portland cops or Portland area cops and amazing people. Um, but it's different, you know. I mean, I think we're, and I think you and I have had this talk, maybe even on the radio before. Uh, I feel very, very fortunate to live and work down here. Um, the citizens in this general area, Southern Oregon, we'll just say, uh, are critical of us. But I think that's important. That's good. That's kind of a checks and balance, mm-hmm. you know. So they're not, it's not like a blind, we love the police every time, no matter what. It's, it, they're critical of us, but also very supportive. And we've seen that time and time and time again. Um, and I don't want to say negative stuff about the city of Portland at all. It's a beautiful city. I just really appreciate where I'm at now. I'll say that. Yeah. I think that says all that needs to be said, really. Yeah. I mean, I could add to it from my point of view, but I don't think it's necessarily necessary. I mean, you can see it on the news every single day. I can't imagine what that must be like. And, um, frankly, I'd get out of there and not because I just think it's dangerous. I want to, you know, I'm not going to say anything about not making it political at all. I'm just saying it looks dangerous. It looks like people are going to get hurt and it, I'm not sure what the answer is there, but it's just unfortunate that it's gone that direction and until they do something about it. I don't think it's going to get any better, but that's my take on it. And, uh, I won't ask you to, to dive any deeper into that, but Thank you. what I do want to talk about just a little bit, you had mentioned that you had the cancer issue, mm-hmm. but you also ended up back up at OHSU for one of your children. How yeah. did that come about? So our middle uh, child, our first boy, Wyatt, he, uh, I was, I had moved from corrections in the jail to patrol. So I'm a trainee again, you know, that kind of brings a whole set of issues being a trainee. Uh, and then had to go to the academy again. The corrections academy is either five or six weeks. I can never remember. The patrol academy is sixteen weeks. So, and is that because it's a different type of work? So you have to go to a different academy. Yes. Okay. And a different certificate uh, certification. Gotcha. So you're correction certified, and you can work in a jail or a prison, or you're patrol certified, and you can work on the road, essentially. And so back to the academy. And um, Misty and I just got married not long before that, uh, or in that process. But with the Wyatt stuff, she was pregnant with Wyatt. And I'm back here, and I remember the day it happened. I'm on uh, Meridian Road outside of Eagle Point, and I'm a new enough trainee. I'm still in the passenger seat. That's like the graduation. You start in the passenger seat, and it's like, don't touch anything. <laughs> you know, you sit there, yeah. you be quiet, you ride shotgun. Yeah, and exactly, it's like, don't screw this up. Exactly, it's like here's this is a radio. <laughs> we talk into this, you know. So are you carrying at that point? Yeah. Are you, so you're, you're so you, you're, you've been you've been uh, trained and certified on the key stuff like. You know, you spend a a week or two at the range with your agency doing pistol and rifle and maybe even more than that. I would, I would have to go back and look, but anyways, they sign you off and say, okay, you are competent in handgun and rifle and you're competent in, uh, we call it defensive tactics, which is like the, the, there's no like PC way to say it. It's kind of, it's essentially fighting, right? Fair enough. If someone wants to fight you, you can get them in custody and make them safe. Okay. Cool. I'm, I'm sure 
If the sheriff heard me say that right now, he'd be like, God, there's a better way to say that. But um, Well, you know, at some point, maybe we'll have him in here and he can explain it a better way. Because well, I would like to talk to him at some point. I think that would be great. And he, he would definitely have a much more eloquent way to explain that. But, but he's not here right now. And he's frankly, not here We can now. say whatever we want. I mean, we'll have to suffer the consequences later. But Yeah, and that, I don't think that was too bad. You have to be able to control the situation. Exactly. Is that See, fair enough? That's much better. Okay, yeah. there. And you, the last thing you want to do is have a cop that you rely on either as a citizen or as another cop, like, hey, this guy's going to back me up and we're going to get through this together. And you mm-hmm. find out he doesn't know how to do any of these things. See, this is why I couldn't be a cop because I could not. <laughs> Glendale didn't teach w- you anything? Well, no, not really. I was, you see how big I am. The red racers are not <laughs> pythons. That's for sure. I don't know. And I even looked into it at one point, right about the time I thought I was going to get fired in Grants Pass when I worked over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually looked into it and then I was like, man, I just don't. I don't know that I'm cut out for it. It's the greatest job in the world. Yeah, and then somebody called me, and I ended up in Medford, and here we are talking about uh, your story, which is pretty cool. Okay, so so you're riding a shotgun, you're on Meridian Road, and then what? So then my phone rings, and it's Misty. It's my wife. And, you know, she, she's worked at the sheriff's office at this point. She's since quit and she's taking care of the, the kids at home. Right. But at this point she's been at the sheriff's office longer than I have. And she knows you're working. She knows I'm working. So if she's calling and she exactly. knows you're working, then what is going on? What's going on? And, uh, you know, we started getting bad information basically. That, so she's pregnant with Wyatt. We went to that first ultrasound appointment. I think it's the first one where you find out the gender if you want to mm-hmm. and all that. The one that we just had and we didn't find out. Like oh, you this, didn't find out. No, it's, uh, oh, so, you're choosing not to find out. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, we so did it with the fourth kid, and it was the best way to go. I'd do okay. it if I could go back. I mean, I wouldn't change anything. Right. But if it's so awesome not knowing, just there's nothing surprise. like it. Yeah. And so Kimberly just went uh, a week or two ago, at this point, and yeah, so she didn't find out. But anyway, I digress. But <laughs> carry on. Okay, so we went to that appointment, and so that's okay full disclosure, I guess. My daughter is my stepdaughter, right? So this is okay. my first time going through um, this process. So your wife's been through it. My wife's been through it. Um, my daughter at this point in time, Leah, is five probably. Okay. About that. Um, kind of give or take. Anyway, we're at that first appointment and her parents are there in the waiting room. My parents come down for the same thing. It's like, oh, it's, you know, first kid together in this way. So you know exciting. I mean? So exciting. Everybody wants to know everything. Yeah. They want to know dates. They want to know right. sex. They want to know. And we tell them everyone can wait in the waiting room. It's just me and Misty in the lower room doing the ultrasound. You know what I mean? And this is for the first ultrasound. There's a first ultrasound. And it's a party. It's a, it's, oh yeah, no, <laughs> it's a big deal. And uh, the the lady that's doing the the technician or whatever her title is that's doing the ultrasound itself, she's like, okay, so how's things going? So it's you know, so exciting, and then it goes from oh, oh well, yeah, no things, yeah, it's fine, things are looking good, like that sort of thing. I'm like, oh, and she's, I'm just gonna take some extra pictures and some oh, extra boy. measurements. Here we go. I was like, oh god, and. So and you never know when they and, start doing that because we've had right. to take extra pictures. And the minute you feel like it's going past the point of what normal would be, right, it, it gets worrisome. Right. And so I'm a fairly direct person. You know, I don't really kind of beat around. I'm not good at just like, like well, let's wait patiently and see. I'm much more like, hey, what what's going on here? So like, to, what, how things did you are about it? to so get what colorful. Did you, in that moment, did you just say what's happening? Yeah. What are you looking at? And she's like, well, uh, and she starts pointing out on the screen. She's like, these are. You know, this is a baby kidney, and there should be another one over here, right? And she's Excuse like, but me? this one doesn't look right. And so, long story short, what happened is, um, 
there's so the kidney is kind of like a balloon i guess right it fills up with liquid and then the meaty part the fleshy part of the kidney processes that liquid right okay and then it goes out to the bladder and a little tube called the ureter goes from the kidney to the bladder right so what happened with Wyatt is the ureter had a canker blockage or whatever in it and so that kidney would just like expand because oh, it's not flowing the fluid it's not, out it's not pushing out gotcha and it, while they're in utero uh they're breathing in amniotic fluid and swallowing it and that's just that's how they're processing right and so that's a problem because it's getting larger and the fleshy the tissue portion that does the work is getting crushed and this is at the beginning this is not at on. the end so no, it's not amazing. like we have a week or two to go no this you is have not. eight plus months to go right yeah, or maybe seven, seven whatever it is yeah, yeah. A while. Wow. Yeah. Too long. Too long. Yeah. I mean, it was great in some ways because we had prepared ourselves for every possible outcome as much as you can. Uh, so what are they saying at that point? They're saying, they're saying there's a kink here. This isn't working here. like it's the supposed other to, kidney but what? didn't develop. It was just non-existent. And so they're saying, so what could happen is if we and the thing that they, they don't know until he's born and they can, they can test is how much damage is done to that meaty portion of the kidney that's being compressed mm -hmm. that actually does the function of the kidney, the wow. cleaning or whatever it does. And so they say, well, you know, hard telling. Kind of, <laughs> I mean, that's they, they didn't have a nasty attitude about it, but that's that's the we idea. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We're not sure what's going to happen. And so all we can do is prep. And there's nothing more that can be done. You know, she can't, like, take a vitamin and it's going to be okay. Like, it's just like, get through it, enjoy your pregnancy. Good luck with that, right? And we're going to see how this goes. Are they saying that it could go completely sideways at this point? Absolutely. Are they saying you need to prepare for the worst? Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. To the point that they now said- Now is not a good time for me to talk about this with I'm you. I'm sorry. We can move on. No, no, I can no, tell no, you all about- No, I'm just thinking like, it just, my mind went there. You know, we're what, 12, 11, 12? I don't know how many weeks in at this point. So I'm just, like, my mind instantly went poof, right later there. Later on, later on, we'll call Wyatt at home and he can chat with you. Okay, He's doing amazing. good. Well, I guess there you go. You just cut right to it. That's what we need to know, why it's fine, why it's why good. It's you made it through it somehow. So what was that like, though, when he came out? Because you're waiting Terrifying. to see what happened. He comes out and what? What What, what does that So we had to like? deliver in Portland at okay. OHSU. Gotcha. And there you are. Back there you there go. Again. Back at OHSU. Twice. There you go. Well, and then he ended up having surgery six weeks in. He was still real little. And they went in and fixed the kink. It was tiny little baby. So he comes out and was he... Okay, like, does he? Yeah, I mean, I mean for the most part, like, he was in. I mean, he was in the NICU for. It was all kind of a blur. It was a while. We we stayed up there. Um, it's another amazing organization, the Ronald McDonald House. We stayed in Ronald, Ronald McDonald House for like a week or two. It was it was while he's in the NICU. Yeah, and we would do shifts. She would sleep, and I would sit with him, and then we'd tag hands in the oh, hallway, boy. going opposite directions. And oh yeah, she just had a baby, by the way. So she's yeah, she's, she's, she, she has a and baby. Oh yeah, we have another. We have a daughter still. And so, so who it, has her grandparents or? So no, uh, she was with us at first, and then her dad came up to Portland for us, and because you know, he's he's in the picture, he's in, we we get along great with cool. him. It's not a, That's like awesome. a negative thing by any means. Um, but her dad came to Portland and picked her up because we're like, this is just this is horrible for us. We're probably not giving her everything she needs at five years old. Because of what we're going through. She doesn't understand what's going on. Right. She's, she knows something's up. So we were very fortunate to have him to come up and take her because this, this is not working. So Wow. Yeah. So Misty's going through everything that a woman goes through directly after giving birth, right? And then it, the whole thing was quite an experience. Quite an experience. So you were at OHSU because you had cancer in your arm. Mm -hmm. Then your son has a kinked, what's it called again? Ureter. Ureter. And so you make it through that. He has surgery, and then he's fine. So with or? him, we we do 
regular um, every six month appointments. Still, still, wow. Because the the whole the big question is what's going to happen as he grows once he hits puberty, because his kidney function right now is actually very very good. So do they think it could go sideways, or is yes. it? It's entirely possible that at some point he has a transplant. Okay. Which is, I mean, but here's the thing: that is, they've been doing transplant kidney transplants for a long, long time, and that's a very positive thing compared to what could have been, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Like I mean, he me, could not I, be here. He could not be here. We could have lost our first child, you know, together, child, uh-huh. which is traumatizing for anyone. Absolutely. Um. Wow. So, I mean, the only challenge there is that finding a kidney, right? That's the right. that's the biggest thing. They know they can do it just fine, but it's and, if you have to, then you have to find someone. Do you have to get on the list? Is that right? So, yeah, and until you go into kidney failure, because we we always talk about, hey, let's put them on the list right now. Like, makes when sense. He was, Why he, not sign up? Yeah, and he's ten now, so obviously we've learned this process much better over the years. But, um, and then no, until he goes into failure, you don't. They don't. He doesn't go on any sort of list now. As a child, as I understand, he would go kind of to the top of that list. Versus someone your age, right? Okay. Um, but one of the hard things, so I've asked them with me because I've had cancer. And I might, I mean, I probably don't anymore. It's been so long. But if the cancer cells are there, one of the places it could back could, could come back, excuse me, in your lungs, liver, kidneys, soft tissue stuff. So that's not helping you out at all. Right. And they're like, well, the, the further away from cancer? cancer you get, the more likely it is to be a viable uh, donor. And so I said, okay, well, let's do this because my whole family and her whole family will get tested. Let's get tested right now and we'll get the donor lined up. And if we need that person to donate in the future, then we know it. And if we're we ready don't, to then all the better. Nope. We don't do that either. So just the processes. Then it's, it's, it's just, it's like police and firemen on the same scene, right? No matter what it is, they have their job and we have ours. <laughs> and sometimes we're working in different directions, unfortunately. And so oh, I boy. felt that way a lot with the doctors, like, let's do it right now. And they're like, that's not how this works. <laughs> Sir. <sighs> Killing me. You I need know? you to sit back down over here. Yeah. This is our job, not your job. Exactly. So it's like anytime they tell me that, I don't think they ever actually said to calm down, but I don't. They were t- close. I don't take that. I don't do that huh. well. Well, I guess this is as good as time as any for me to try. I tried. It's going to be my trick here. I've got the I've got the can. I like to recycle. As you can see, I'm big into taking my cans back. So I'm going to yeah. over the shoulder without looking see how close I get. Oh, man. I missed again. That. Shampoo, or you would have been in. Yeah, it's a it's a carpet. No, it's not a it's not a shampoo. Is that it's the actually wood floor a, or scrubber yes, thing? Yes, it's the floor thing, and my wife's gonna do it. I guess she's certified. She does some work on the side, and so oh. she's gonna do it. That's good thing. We just had our carpets cleaned by a professional, but she's friends with them, so they left that behind so she could do it. We just haven't got that far. Well, it totally we, blocked your shot. Yeah, every time we try and pick up the floor inside, it gets dirty again with four kids in there. So yeah, maybe at some point today, but then again, I'm kind of hogging part of the time out here. So, and since we roughly. If we're going to stick to close to an hour, we're eh, about 17 minutes or so to go. To but, go. Uh, to go, yeah. Okay. But the sun's out. Isn't that nice? It's gorgeous, yeah. Just hanging out nice in the garage. Nice and cool. Sunday afternoon. It's perfect. Perfect weather out here. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we have your cancer situation. We have your son at OHSU. And when I really got to know you better, I think, was actually when something else happened. Yeah, good times. Right? Because I'm just thinking back, because we, we had seen you. You had stopped by a few things we were doing. You had called in a few times to the radio show, and you help us with a few things that we may have questions about. And then I remember seeing the news of another situation, and I thought, that's the guy. That's, that's the that's guy that listens. Guy. That's the guy. 
So talk a little bit about what that was and how that came about, because that to me is almost crazier than the other two. I mean, is it to you? Is it crazier than the other two, or where does it on a scale of one to ten? Where do you um, rate that? So cancer was. uh, It's hard to say. So with me, the cancer thing was the least consequential, because I was just me. Right. And obviously I have, I have parents and uncles and aunts and grandparents and my brother. And right. So it wasn't, I wasn't alone by any means, but if cancer would have killed me, like whatever, you it's know, me done deal. I don't have kids. Right? I don't have a wife. I'm not leaving them behind. Exactly. Your parents they're would have been awful it's, for it's the, different. for the family, of course. And so I'm not trying to minimize that, but if cancer would have got me, then that's unfortunate. Um, the, the thing with Wyatt with my boy is, I mean, you can't even, that's awful. <laughs> you know, well, it's hard enough but, making it through. And for people who are married, they totally understand that being married can be a challenge in itself. It's definitely work, right? It yeah. takes, you have two people, you move in together, you have all these challenges. And anytime something happens with a child, it makes it even more difficult. I don't know Absolutely. what your experience was like, but I've seen other people close to me who have had some type of trauma in their lives or a situation, we'll call it. Right. And a lot of them end up divorced. So it's hard enough just to get through that. Let right. alone get through that and have something else happen. So after can or excuse me, after kidney stuff with Wyatt, Misty and I would talk occasionally. That you know we made it through that. We got anything. There's there's nothing because that didn't didn't stop us basically as a couple, and I I believe that firmly, um, because the stress of that was was miserable. Right. So we survived that, and and we'll that's 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 kind of like proving ourselves as a couple. I think. Do you think it made you stronger? Absolutely, absolutely, because. I don't doubt her at all with any, you know, like any big things like that. It's like we survived that thing together and it worked out and here we are. Mm-hmm. So then the next thing that comes up kind of galvanized that, I guess. But we were, um, well, well, at the time we were both on the JCSEA, the Sheriff's Office Employees Association, right? We talked about that. Mm-hmm. The the union, basically. Um, I'm on that. The, the e-board is called the, the governing like board. There's eight of us that make the decisions. Um, and we're elected by the, the employees to do that. Right. So she was on the board at the same time as me back in, it's been three and a half or so years ago. And we went to this conference in Vegas to learn how to do union stuff better. And we actually brought some of the supervisors, uh, with us. One, one of our captains went with us to learn as well. Now, so, is this just strictly a work trip or you, do you get to have fun while you're I mean, there? It's in Vegas. Okay. Right? And then, the classes you're going through in the daytime. Uh-huh. So, you know, we, it was enjoyable. Excellent. Yeah. That's what I like time. to hear. So you're there, you're there <laughs> yeah. to learn, but you're also there to it's take they, in the sights and scenes. It's why and they enjoy do trainings in, in Vegas. Yeah, it exactly. Because otherwise it's like, man, can we please go to more of those conferences? Like no, Vegas. Uh, so anyways, the union paid us to go down there and go to this conference. Um, the prior sheriff sent his captain as well to go to the conference and kind of learn and all that. It was a very positive thing. And then uh, because of the days, you can only fly out in and out of Medford certain days of the week to Vegas. Excuse me. And um, so we had to fly Delta because our local, I can't remember what it's called, didn't fly the days we needed, Allegiant. Gotcha. Yeah, it's like a Thursday, Sunday, or Monday. They've changed it over the years, but yeah. Yeah, at the time we couldn't do it. So we had to fly through Salt Lake City to come kind of the long way around back home. Better than going to San Francisco, though. That's a fact. I've done that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we were in Salt Lake City in the airport. We're kind of hustling from one gate to the next. We don't have much time. And, you know, I I have my one. I try to fly anywhere I go is no bigger than a carry-on. 
my little carry on with wheels. Good for you because right? I pack like, no offense, ladies, but I pack like the ladies. I pack for weeks. See, I can't do it. No? I don't have enough stuff for that. Now, anyway. Vegas, I will say I've been to Vegas or have gone to Vegas numerous times where I do take a carry on because mm-hmm. it's so warm there. You can go shorts and like right now I'm in shorts and flip flops. So right. depending on what you're wearing or what you have to wear, it's easier to go well, to Vegas probably than any other place. And I wasn't being paid by the sheriff's office to go there. I was there on the union's time. Does that mean you can dress however you want? That means, right. So I mean like flip flops instead of like business casual. Perfect. So That's just to clarify, style. if the sheriff's listening, <laughs> I was that was union time only, not sheriff's office time. Okay, so you're in the airport. I'm in the airport in Salt Lake and, and we're you have a carry on. Got my carry on, pulling it behind me, and I'm just out of breath. And for no good reason. I mean, I'm not in like the best shape ever, but I can walk in an airport, right? And I just couldn't quite catch my breath. To the point that I think I may have mentioned something to Misty and uh, Gordon, one of the other deputies, went, like, ah, I just can't quite get it. And they're like, well, you've been in Vegas for however long. It's probably just you're tired or whatever. It's the desert air. Desert you'll air. be fine. That, yeah, we'll exactly. go, hey, we'll go to an oxygen bar when we get there. Yeah, that'll be perfect. Not exactly the bar I was thinking of, but hey, whatever it takes very right, nice. to get you back to 100%. Very wholesome. Um, so get back home. It didn't improve. A couple days later, it was getting worse. And at one point, Misty's at work. And I'm at home with uh, our youngest, Gunner, because the others are in, in school. And I, I, like I realized, I'm going to probably, and he's, he's already freaked out because I'm not myself. I'm not feeling well. So he can tell that something's going on. Yeah, I think so. I think so. He's pretty young at this point. He's, he was three at that time. Kind of. Um, anyways, but I realized at some point, like, I might pass out because I'm not breathing well at all. So and that like, bad. Yeah. Where you think you're going to go down. There's a good, because I'm like tingly in my hands and feet. I'm not, I'm just like, yeah, so disoriented like, maybe yeah. and just not really exactly. sure what's like, going on. If I either get disoriented to the point that I can't help myself or I pass out, I'm leaving my three-year-old here by himself with dad just collapsed. Like that's not going to work. And so I, I called or text Misty at work, the sheriff's office. I'm like, I think you need to come home and take me to the hospital. And then Sickler, the, the sheriff calls me. He's like, do you need an ambulance? Like what? The, the word traveled pretty quick from her office to upstairs at his office. Like yeah. what? He's, she's probably wondering what the heck's going on, right? Yeah. I'm freaking out over here. That's what. Right. Like I need some, I need some help. So Should they call an ambulance or what? No, I told him no to the ambulance. Um, but she calls my mother-in-law who works in Rogue River and she comes up and hangs out. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm really like legitimately worried. I'm going to go down and poor Gunner, our three-year-olds can be like, how horrible would that be, right? And so she comes out, and one thing leads to another. We go to the hospital. Go to uh, Rogue. What do we lose? Plug that cord. I got it. We're good. Oh, are we good? Yeah. Are we back on? It's okay, folks. We're good. We just had a minor cord hit shortage. A, hit a All bump. Right. Carry Shouldn't on. Where were we? So I go to the hospital, and I'm in the ER at Rogue. And um, the, the ER doc's like, well... You definitely have some problems going on here, and they're kind of scrambling trying to figure it out. I don't tell what? The, well, so I don't tell the story as well because I don't remember it very well. Um, what do they tell you about what happened? So basically, what happened is they they told me I remember this part. They told me in the ER we're going to admit you for a few days, a couple like, of days. You're like, I'm short of breath here. I thought I was going to pass out. Big deal. Yeah. They're like, you have definitely have some sort of pneumonia, but you have some weird heart thing going on too. We don't know. And Some I'm, weird heart thing? Yeah. Have you ever had heart issues? No. No. And so at that healthy, point, you're like, what, what, what's happening here? I went to Vegas. Right. I to come back with heart and, issues. And, you know, you know, I enjoyed myself in Vegas, but I'm, a bunch of cops went to Vegas. It's not like that yeah. much bad stuff took place, right? Um, and so then 
mean, I can, I can try to share some details that I recall, but pretty much I woke up like 10 or so days later. Essentially, ten days later, it's like you see uh, in the movies where six days these later, people. Yeah, who cares wild. how many it days? If it was one day, it's too many to right. to go into the hospital. You're short of breath. The mother-in-law comes from Rogue River. You end up there, and then you wake up, and you've you've literally missed a portion of your life. Yeah, it's like Gone. time travel. Poof. Time travel, but not cool. I mean, it's one thing to have a, a late night out and right. not remember things. That's happened to probably the most people out there. Exactly. Yeah. But you don't expect to be out for five, six, seven, eight, ten days and just have no idea what happened. Right. And, and so the gist of it, as I understand it, is um, I was exhausted. Apparently my body was tired because I couldn't, I wasn't sleeping because every time, uh, again, I'm sorry, not great at this story. But no, that's okay. Basically, I was exhausted and not because of Vegas, but because this pneumonia had just like drained me. So you did have pneumonia. I absolutely had pneumonia. They never identified what. There's apparently strains, there's viral, there's ba- bacterial, all that. They didn't really say what for sure, but it caused a problem with my heart and gave me, it essentially gave me a heart failure. So your heart like squeezes, right? And mm-hmm. opens, squeezes, opens. So what happened with me is it wasn't squeezing hard enough to push blood out effectively. And because of that, it thrown an extra like little half a beat every now and again. And it only happened a couple times in the hospital, but they had a record of it. And I, and to me, it's like, oh, it happened twice, no big deal. They're like, no, that's a big deal. <laughs> you can't do that. Again, I'm not a doctor. Mm, extra um, beats in there. Extra beats. Wow. I'm like, well, better than fewer beats, right? And they're like, no, it's well, not, not how it works. necessarily. Uh-uh. Right. And so, that, uh, but apparently that extra beat is ineffective. And so potentially what could happen is that extra beat gets kind of stuck, like a stutter. And all it will do is the extra that in, in, in the EMS type world, they call it agonal, meaning there's a, there's movement in the heart going on there, but it's not doing anything effective. And yeah. You, you need it to you pump die. Yeah. And so that was the big thing, but before they can address heart issues, they had to address the pneumonia issues, the lung problems because it was apparently it was filled with fluid, which is why I couldn't breathe. Wow. Yeah. So then where does that lead? I mean, so they, well, they, um, said again, this is what's been recounted to me, basically. Yeah, but what they're telling you. Basically, is they went to me and Misty and said, we need to put him on like a light sedation just for the sake of getting rest. And I don't remember how long it was supposed to be, a day or whatever. But a, a little while, but they don't like sedating people long periods because apparently that could do things, other things that are bad. I don't know. And the light sedation didn't work. And I was fighting it physically and and... Apparently wasn't a very cooperative patient. <laughs> and Oh boy. What and, does that mean? Well, and there's yeah. Like you want to just get out of there or like I, I apparently I was physically trying to fight. Well, if we go back to earlier in the podcast, we were talking about being able to defend yourself and right. you know, restrain people right. and whatever and obviously we called I'm it not that in was in PC the with right. the sheriff, and here you exactly. are and they've given you stuff, and so you're thinking, I got this. Right, exactly. I'm out of here. I think that's probably kind of the way it went down. And and uh, they tried like restraints, as I understand it, and that didn't help me calm down. And so then they just said, you know what, it's not going to work. And Misty told them that, you know, they asked Misty, like, what do we, can, here's what we want to do. We just want to put them under in like a chemically or whatever medication induced coma. Oh, and that was the only that option. just sounds terrible. And so that's how, you know, days later I wake up. So and, that's why you were out for days is because you were getting crazy? Yeah. Not crazy, but you know, you were, you wanted out of there. I mean, yeah, I mean the, the, the light sedation wasn't working. Yeah. And so they said, said, we're going to put them under, go to sleep. But then they put me under and then that thing started to compound as well. Apparently they, there's 
other things that took place, I guess, as far as like fixing my lungs and heart. I wish Misty was here because she can, she knows the, all the steps of this because she was there for the whole thing. Um, and I wasn't, but basically, uh, they did this bypass thing where they kind of took my lungs out of the game. I don't really understand that. And they drained, they stuck like a needle. I have a scar back here. They drained fluid and all this stuff. And once the lungs were clear, I started coming around. And then it was just a matter once, like once I got out of the hospital and stuff like that, it was a matter of if my heart would recover enough to where I can, to where one, I can go back to work. Well, we know you're back to work, so yeah, your, your heart, heart must have out. recovered fine then, right? Yeah. And that was the big question is, was, was the heart like a byproduct of the pneumonia and I might recover or was the heart something I didn't know about that I've always had and there's no recovery and, uh, and you can't go be a cop because you can't just potentially oh, collapse. So much somebody. going on here. Did they at any point think that they're going to lose you? In the hospital, absolutely, yeah. Wow. So what's it like coming out of that? After weird. you were out for days, not knowing weird. where you are as far as health goes and where that's going to end up. Well, and I, I went in thinking light sedation for a few hours or whatever it was supposed to be. You're and dizzy so, at home, short of breath, right. call the mother-in-law, and next thing you know... Days later. Oh, and I remember, It's like the movie. I mean, yeah. there's a movie. I can't think of the title, but there's a movie where someone misses days. Yeah. And probably a lot of movies out there. I'm but, sure yeah. uh, I know I've sat down for some kind of rom-com that, you know, <laughs> come back, oh, I can't remember. You know, it's one of those like, wow, I can't even imagine what that must be like. It was weird. It was a bizarre thing and it kind of stuck with me for a while, but. Fast forward to right now. How are you? Like, are you back to normal? What yeah. about the heart? So Is I, the heart I, fine? Um, I still, I have a uh, cardiologist. Which you know, I never had. You go before. for checkups often. Um, last time I saw him was in either October or November of last year. So it was supposed to be annually because it was, as you might imagine, frequently seeing him all the time. Oh yeah, of course. Tests and all that stuff, and then things just kept getting better and better and better. And I saw him about a year ago, and he said, uh, basically, you, you can just come back by if you want to. You're good. I'm like, well, so do you have? Pretty much a clean bill of health Pretty as of much, right yeah. now. I take some, I take two heart meds just for the sake of like airing on caution, the side of caution, basically. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. Makes sense. And he says, you know, you can come back, come back when you, if you feel like you're having a problem. I and told you him, felt like, fine. Well, but I told him, Doc, there's no way. If I, if you tell me not to come back here, I ain't coming back. I will never see you each other again. You spent plenty of time in hospitals. Right. Between he's your like, first, first rodeo, the kids' rodeo, and now, now yours, that's three. And he's like, okay, so if you need to set an appointment and actually be told to come back, he's like, why don't you come back in two years? Which is pretty awesome, right? Yeah. I'm luckiest guy and in that Jackson is County. amazing. That's one of the reasons I want to talk to you because I knew kind of some of these. I knew your son had an issue, didn't really know the ins and outs there. Definitely knew about this latest issue that you had. Didn't really know about the first one. It's just so interesting to see the path that people have led and, and followed and, and you, you take this right and this left and where you end up. And it's just incredible. There's so many people out there like yourself who have dealt with so many different things and people probably on the greenway when you come up to them and they're camping out in a tent have no idea. Well, yeah, I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they don't need my problems. Not at <laughs> all. I mean, we all have our own problems, right? <laughs> right. Well, we're almost an hour into this thing, and I could probably sit here and talk for a good couple of hours because you definitely have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. But you brought something, and as I was creeping your Facebook page, I noticed you do a ton of canning. So is that what yeah. you brought, something you... Yeah, just a couple of jars of pickles. Misty and I were talking before I came out today, like, should we bring something? Is that weird? No, we it's never weird to bring something. You do whatever so you, you feel go. comfortable with. We brought you pickles. So what kind of pickles are they? Are <laughs> these they dill are pickles? Dill, or they... And these ones look like I don't remember. I don't label them very well. So it's a surprise? They might be a little bit spicier. Okay. And these ones here are just regular dill pickles. 
I love dill pickles. And Preston exciting. loves dill pickles. I, I wasn't sure if they were going to peek out here or not because I would, I would taste test them before Preston tries them. Just for the he spice. He likes spicy stuff, oh, though. I mean, last night he was eating, what was it? I can't even remember what he was eating, but it was something with spice. And my wife said, man, I can't believe he's eating that again. But he is. He loves Go it. Go for it. So, That's cool. I don't know. I'll give it a shot. So these are like my one thing because I because of the heart stuff. Even though it's all like very maintenance and very precautionary anymore, you have to be careful. You're supposed to be careful salt wise. Oh, that makes sense. Sodium, right? We're not supposed to have a lot of that. Yeah. So these these break my diet a little bit, but I don't eat much of them. So anyway. So at some point, I feel like you need to come back over because there's sure. a lot we could talk about there because you guys do a lot of gardening and yeah, and canning and other things. So that yeah that that whole experience changed kind of. I mean, we always ate pretty well. But that experience changed everything for us as far as the way we live now. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a cool, st- I mean, cool that you guys all made it through it. It's yeah. very interesting. Uh, I hope that people uh, learned a lot. I'm sure they did. I know I learned a lot. I just sat here most of the time and just listened because it's so <laughs> interesting. I mean, you just never know what people go through and how they get to where they are. And I think that, you know, some of those experiences, as you said, made you stronger. Absolutely. And as I've talked about wanting to get this thing started, it's, you know, shine light on some of those positive outcomes that people have had. And obviously it's not always a positive outcome, uh, but that you no. can make it through some of those things and maybe uh, it will inspire other people in some t- uh, type of way. Absolutely. I'm the luckiest guy around. So it's, uh, that's good. Oh, that's cool. Well, thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Just thinking if there's anything else we want to touch on, I think that's pretty much it. Polish off uh, the rest of the cold one and uh, have a great rest of your weekend. And I really appreciate you coming over. And uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a good time. And uh, we'd appreciate it if you share this with your friends out there. Uh, most of the major podcast platforms, which I'm still new to a lot of this stuff, but Apple, Google, Android, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, it's there at garagetalkpodcast.com. Share it with your friends. Subscribe. Rate it if you wouldn't mind. And uh, we'll be back in the garage here sometime soon. No, thanks for coming in, buddy. Thanks for having me.